0: welcome to our program the show must go on
1: banters on business okay Alex what are we talking about today
0: well today's podcast is really a little different I think it's 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 kind of it's tackling a really serious philosophical issue which is how do we decide between health and wealth to put it broadly so for some context, The responses to COVID-19 crisis could be broadly categorized as either pertaining to lives and livelihoods, right? I mean, there are different categories, but these are probably the two main ones. So medical science has taken over as the main agent of social control with regard to lives. And government officials made pretty tough decisions to issue stay-at-home orders so i'm just curious before i go on do you, do you agree with stay-at-home orders
1: i do i think it's smart i think it's showing to uh be effective in the data that we're seeing come in too
0: oh uh, good because the alternative i think was close to ridiculous this this herd immunity business um basically the argument for health was we need a lockdown because you cannot put a price on human life. Otherwise, if you do this herd immunity thing, we are putting price on. Uh, and what's a herd immunity? Is, is basically you just let let things be. Don't do anything. So the virus goes freely everywhere. Some people get infected. Some people die. Some people make it. They get an immunity. Eventually, virus doesn't have where to go anymore, right? Because you're either dead or you had an immunity. I heard... Uh, various estimates, but I think the worst one was that about 2.2 million people would have died under that strategy. So, you know, I mean, in the meantime, death would be everywhere.
1: Right. And that's not just us saying it. I mean, President Trump said people would be dying on planes and in grocery stores if they hadn't done anything.
0: Yeah. So on the other hand, you have the stay-at-home orders also caused about, about more or less 16 million Americans to be unemployed, which approached 20% pretty much instantly, which which is terrible, obviously. Then it kind of gets worse in terms of abrupt changes that employees had to go through. So the fraction of the U.S. workers who switched or had to switch or better switched from office work to telework between March 5th and April 5th was 34%, and the ratio of those who teleworked before the crisis was 147 Taken together, this data showed that about 48.8%, nearly half of the US workforce, is teleworking during the COVID 19. So, personally, I think all these steps were warranted. There were costs either way, but I think. What was done was was good.
1: So what happened the other night? You were talking to Junior and then...
0: Yeah, I was talking to my oldest son and I, I often shoot the philosophical breeze with him and I was making the case for all this, you know, it's the right thing to do. And, and he's like, well, how'd you figure? You know, how'd you arrive at that decision? I mean, you're kind of leaning towards health, being a business professor and all that. How did you actually decide on this, right?
1: Right, so health versus wealth. So what was behind your decision? What's the big deal? What led you to say it's health over wealth?
0: Well, yeah, so I mean, the question is, how did I figure out the benefits, right, of life saved that exceeded the cost or economic cost? How, How do you compare those two? Because they're hardly comparable, and I'll get to that in a minute. So I think people have at least, I mean, they have many options, but for me, uh, there's a there's a personal angle and philosophical one. In terms of personal response, people might have had an anchor in their past that somehow pulls their responses in the present. Something happened to you and then you either go always against it or always for it, depending on what happened today. So I think the herd immunity would have been an absolute national tragedy at the psychological scale we have never seen before. As the president said, kids dying in schools, people in subways, at the airports, on the streets. But you know what Nobody's asking is, have you ever seen death before? Let alone random death in public. So I'm not talking about... Your auntie, Mary or whatever, aging relatives succumbing gradually to an illness and they're actually fixed up. They look better in caskets than alive. So that's not what I'm talking about. So I'm not telling anyone how to feel, but witnessing unexpected death on streets it is an experience that might, might refuse to leave you for, for a long time.
1: You sort of talk as if you've maybe had some experience with this um, or how do you know?
0: But I mean, you know, I served, but you might not know that I was in military police. So I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying what I've done or haven't done, but that's a different life. But imagine suicide calls. Okay. You have an 18 year old. Jump the tracks. And now you're called to handle the scene. Can you imagine that? You have to document everything, take photos and stuff. So it, it's, you know, sometimes in life, it's really hard to unsee what you've seen. And with the herd immunity, I just don't want to be around a random death, period. That was my criteria for health versus wealth.
1: Yeah, I, I have no direct experience even comparable to that. And I, I didn't know that. Um, I did have a cousin who worked at a golf course as uh, one of those people that cleans clubs and a guy had a heat stroke and died and he had to take him out of the golf court this random death you're talking about right I mean he passed out so yeah I I just can't imagine
0: yeah so the really hard philosophical issue or measurement issue if you want to cheapen the topic science policy making you name it everywhere is to make decisions on the basis of comparing things that are not naturally comparable. So they either do not have natural measures like attitudes, motivations, so we measure them differently so we don't know how to compare them, or they do have natural measures, but they're not naturally comparable. (laughs) So basically, if somebody asked you or anyone in the government or you as an OB consultant, how many lives are comparable to how many dollars? How, How do we develop interventions at the social level, that both maximize lives saved and minimize the economic cost.
1: This is really at the heart of the debate. I mean, it's not necessarily framed like that, but um, we debate whether to open up the country or not. But the issue really is how do we compare health versus wealth and go from there? So you open things up and people die and they'll call you a murderer. but. You don't open the country, the economy tanks and misery's all over the place and you'll be blamed before that. So basically, you cannot put a price on human life, right?
0: So even though I agree with most of what you said, I actually think that's a false premise. What do you mean? Well, we put price of human life all the time. Maybe not in philosophy. This is at the heart of our conversation right now. But you see, the public officials, they have to do it. That's why we elect them there, to, to get things fixed, to get things done. So they need something where two, two plus two is four, done deal, right? And so, like, what do you think the life insurance is all about? I mean, aren't they putting a price on your death, I guess? Sure. If you want to do it, but just think about uh, cars. I'm absolutely certain we can engineer Uber safe cars, super safe cars, but how much would they cost? So somebody put a price on it, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody in those companies is saying, well, let's calculate the number of accidents, the number of people died for the price. And some executives called it, this is good enough. Right. Uh, well, marginal
1: cost isn't worth the marginal Hey, benefit.
0: whatever, economists, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing with flights. I'm absolutely certain we can make them safer. I don't know, we invest more in technology, training, uh, fly newer planes. But what would the ticket be? So somebody called you that is good enough. I can't, I mean, I don't know this, but I can't believe the rockets that are they're carrying satellites up in space, Did mm-hmm. they have the same safety rate. And I'm sure if you ask them, they say, well, of course, this is important, right? Or something <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Meaning, well, humans, yeah, they're a little less important uh, than satellites. So, and I, the, the, the interesting thing is, I don't know if you heard that, I don't know where, I read this somewhere that, uh, one human death is a tragedy, but a million is a statistic. Mm. It's not my thing. I I read this somewhere. Sure. So I just read actually tonight in Wall Street Journal that, and this is a quote: Federal regulators put a statistical value of a life at around ten million dollars. And this is a quote. Now I emailed the author and haven't heard back. But again, it was it was today, so maybe maybe I will. I love to see the source of this.
1: So let me understand this. Are you saying that a person's life or earnings potential can actually be reduced to the present value of their expected earnings?
0: Uh, Well, apparently, isn't that that what that's saying?
1: Well, what about love, emotions, memories, family, pain that's inflicted, happiness?
0: Well, you're talking like psychologists, like a human being, but that's not how economists think uh i mean i read somewhere a pretty provocative angle on this but that people should be evaluated based on how much happiness for example they brought to the world i mean what about so let's say you have earning potential but but you're completely spreading misery Mm -hmm. you're just a miserable person nobody wants to be around you your kids hate you your wife hates you you're just misery your neighbors are running away from you how how, so how, how does that work now or Maybe your earning potential is not that much, but you, you're you really a terrific, beautiful person. You're lovely. You spread love out there. Now, how does that, you know, how does that square?
1: I completely agree with you. I don't think we can measure everything in terms of money. Uh, but to the measurement point, then, uh, how much happiness people bring to the world, is there a way we can measure that?
0: Well, I don't know. Can I say it? I mean, it's not grotesque, but it's rather provocative.
1: listeners can probably handle it i mean i have no idea what you're about to go into uh but uh, I'm curious how much happiness you think brought to the world, how we could measure that. What do you think?
0: By the number of orgasms you're responsible for.
1: Oh, <laughs> I told
0: you, I mean, it's not grotesque, but it's, it's a way, one way to measure happiness you bring to others. Way.
1: I think happiness goes well beyond that, to love no. and connections and... Um, I I don't know how we could measure it. You talk sometimes about like a karma credit and how someday the world might not even operate on an exchange of money, but somehow the universe will know how much karma people have and what you put out. and it'd, it'd be interesting to see.
0: It's it's yeah. I think somebody who's as good looking as you are, it's very interesting. You are supporting oh, platonic <laughs> businesses here, but anyway, we can you can move on. All right, so. Yeah, here's a little spinoff on that. But as I said, you, how about you have a nerd, high earning potential, but no real happiness to anyone if you catch my drift. So what's his dollar value, right? In the world of economics, it's 10 million earning potential. But what about in the world of human beings of this earth? Like 10 million discounted for the lack of real impact on this earth or something like that?
1: So, I mean, there's really no natural end to this debate, right? Like, it's not like math, 2 plus 2 is 4, it's a done deal. We could probably go on and on and debate how these things should be measured all, all night.
0: Well, no, not really, because, again, officials have to make decisions based on something. The simplest choice, the obvious one, is what economists tell him, because that's the easiest. But it's not necessarily the most sophisticated choice, the most nuanced choice, I don't know if it's even the best one. It's just the easiest one.
1: So, what is the best one?
0: I have no clue. I mean, obviously, I just debate these. <laughs> I mean, that's the luxury of just being able to bloviate philosophical questions than to have to do something practically. So, I hope, uh, I hope people know I respect what they do, practitioners, and they have to do certain things. I just, I just like to push the debate a little further beyond that because it's not a done deal. It's the practical deal that we have to take to move things forward. But that does not preclude us discussing it. Is it really the only way to value human life? Uh, earnings potential? I mean, come on. That's, I mean, it's, it's almost both simple and simplistic. I mean, a little more nuance could, could enhance the conversation. <laughs>
1: I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think we've brought some different angles to our listeners on this topic, this health versus wealth. It's a hard one. I hope we shed some light um, into the dark corners of the room, maybe where people's candle haven't reached before.
0: Absolutely. Thank you all.